Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 268 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Titus chapter 2 today and our focus is on what is sound doctrine? Plus, why did Jesus come? Redux and a bonus, where is the skull of Titus now? Why in the world would we be talking about that? Well, anyway, every day we go through God's word one chapter or two chapters at a time. Our goal is to get you involved in daily Bible listening and following and understanding. And our website is Bible2021.com. Please do talk about the show with friends and neighbors and share it on social media. Once again, our website, Bible2021.com. And the best way to share the show is just to go there and find the episode that you want to share and Share a link on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Well, Titus, like Timothy, is one of Paul's younger apostolic charges. And Titus had quite a few adventures with Paul, traveling with him and Barnabas to Jerusalem, as well as serving as a peacemaker in Corinth, traveling in ministry to Dalmatia, and finally being left by Paul on the island of Crete to establish leadership in new churches there. Well, two interesting facts about Titus. Number one, he apparently was not circumcised, according to Galatians chapter 2, verse 3, and his skull Yes, I said his skull was taken from Crete at some point. Crete, by the way, being an island off the coast of Greece. And his skull was taken from Crete and transferred to St. Mark's Basilica in Venice, Italy for a while, a long while, several hundred years, before being returned to Heraklion, the capital of Crete, in 1966, where it, and again, by it, I mean the skull of Titus, is kept in a silver reliquary box now. And no, I didn't make that up, and I'm not 100% sure it's the real skull of Titus either, but supposedly that's what happened, and that's pretty fascinating. Well, enough funny business. What is sound doctrine according to the Bible? Paul is going to tell us at the very beginning of this chapter, and the answer might surprise you. Titus chapter 2 opens with this statement from Paul. As for you, Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Well, Paul, what accords or agrees with sound doctrine? Look, I tell you what, let's go ahead and read the whole chapter because it turns out a lot of things accord with sound doctrine, as we'll see. Titus chapter 2, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in the faith, in love, in and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, so that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, 
pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Okay, that's a lot of commands right there at the beginning. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about whether or not the Bible was sexist because it sometimes gives commands to women. Well, here we see commands to women, commands to young men, old men, servants, and older women. Some of these commands are different to each group, and some are quite similar. Older men, for instance, are to be sober-minded and dignified. They are to be sound in the faith and in love and in steadfastness, and they are to be self-controlled. Younger men in this particular chapter have only one command, and that is to be self-controlled. Now, does this mean that men in general struggle with self-control? Honestly, I do think men struggle with self-control, but the fact that Paul is making this command, does that mean men struggle with self-control? And it's a good question, but the answer may not matter. I don't think every command in the Bible is written to counter a particular weakness Paul writing to older men, for instance, to be steadfast, doesn't necessarily mean that older men in particular struggle with being resolute and unwavering, which is what steadfast means. I think it simply means that older men must be resolute and unwavering. Older women are to be reverent and are not to slander or to be slaves to much wine. Now, does this mean that older women are not reverent often? Well, I would say older women are probably the most reverent people I know, certainly more reverent than younger men. Well, does it mean that older women struggle with drinking a lot? Well, I guess if that were the case, then it also means that elders and deacons struggle with drinking too much because in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul tells Timothy that elders and deacons can't drink too much. And for the record, I don't think drinking too much is a particular struggle of older women, elders, or deacons. These commands mean simply that older women, elders, and deacons are not to drink too much, which is a command that is repeated for everybody elsewhere in the Bible. Younger women in this chapter are commanded uh, to be taught to love their husbands and their children, which I guess, if you're sensitive, might sound sexist until you remember that Paul tells husbands to love their wives like Christ loved the church in Ephesians 5. And yes, wives are also taught to be taught here to be submissive to their husbands, which reminds me again that husbands are commanded to sacrificially love their wives the very way that Christ loved the church. Remember, he gave himself for the church. He died on the cross for the church. That's the example husbands have for loving their wives. Sacrifice. On the one side, submission on the other, two equally difficult commands. Well, bond servants here are commanded not to steal from their bosses and not to be argumentative. And I take it that such a command can be uh, read to include those who work for companies today and have leaders over them, which honestly is almost all of us, really. Well, why all of these commands, Paul? They're kind of practical. What's the big deal? And he answers that question in verses 11 and 12 when he says, 
For, in other words, the reason I'm saying this is the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, older men are to be steadfast and sober-minded because God's grace has come in the person of Jesus and he will return. Wives are to love their husbands for the same reason. Servants are to serve their bosses for the same reason. Older women are to avoid slander for the same reason. And younger men, you guessed it, younger men are to be self-controlled because Jesus has come and he's coming again. All of this, the, the coming of Jesus and the return of Jesus, it informs our behavior. It informs how we work in the workplace. It informs how we live in our families and extended families. And it informs what we do in our leisure time. The coming of Jesus and his second coming has multiple practical ramifications on how you and I live our lives in every sphere of influence we have. And note how practical these commands are. We must live a certain way if we are in Christ and that way impacts, again, our home life, our work life, and our leisure life. Why? Well, because Jesus came and he's coming again. Well, by the way, Paul, why did Jesus come? And in this chapter, he gives us a great answer, starting in verse 13, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Glorious Jesus came to give himself to redeem us from all lawlessness. Well, what does redeem mean? It means essentially to regain possession of something in exchange for a payment. What was the payment? Jesus was the payment. And he reclaimed us for the kingdom of God at the cost of his broken body and his spilled precious blood. He came not only to purchase slash redeem us, but also to purify us, to make us holy. And this is why we have many practical commands here that inform our behavior. Holy people live a set-apart and different way from people of the world. Holy, by the way, doesn't mean religious. It means separate. It means different, set-apart. Not only did Jesus come to redeem us and purify us, but he also came to make us pumped and excited about doing good works. That's what zealous means, pumped and excited and passionate. He came to make us pumped and excited about doing good works and helping people. Why do we want to do that? Well, Paul gives us an answer in verse 10 when he's talking about the behavior of bondservants so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. So friends, our behavior, our character, our actions, our fruit, our good works, our words, all of these things are to be like decorations or adornments, to use the word Paul used, on the truth that we are to be proclaiming. That truth being that Jesus came to give himself for us, to redeem us and purify us and make us want to do good for all people. Amen. Well, let's close out with our Bible memory passage for the month of September, which is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And in that passage, Paul says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching 
for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Amen. And may the word of God, my friends, equip you for every good work that God has called you to, because Jesus has come and he's coming again. Good day and Godspeed.